Hi, I'm Roy Collin, and I'm the creator of the podcast. You can find everything about me and the five podcasts on bio.link forward slash podcaster, and you'll find it in the QR code there. I'd also like to thank my sponsors. If you or someone you know is struggling with anxiety and want to know how to be 100% anxiety free in six weeks without therapy or drugs, Daniel Packard Anxiety Solution Program Company offers a six weeks system that permanently solves anxiety at an astounding 90% success rate. People who join the program only pay at the end once they have clear, measurable results. If you're interested in learning more, go to permanentanxietysolutions.com where you can book a free consultation with Daniel. Do you have high blood pressure or want to get off the meds? Doctors are amazed at what Zona Plus can do. Get a $50 discount with my code ROY. Go to zona.com slash discount slash ROY and you'll see the QR code for all my sponsors down at the end. Quality Polish manufacturer of metal products for telecommunication and workshop equipment and other metals. If you'd like a brochure, you see it in the QR code and you just let us know if you would like a quotation shipped internationally and very competitive rates. I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Welcome to the Speaking Podcast. You can find all our episodes on speakingpodcast.com. My guest today from New Jersey in the USA, serial entrepreneur, engineer, marketer, talk show host, podcaster, first responder, keynote speaker. Please welcome John C. Morley. Thank you so much, Roy. It is a privilege and pleasure to be with you from my side of the world all the way to your side of the world. It's great with podcasting because we can connect with people in our living rooms or our studios, wherever they are. And we don't Absolutely. have to get on a plane. Absolutely. So <laughs> That's with the technology. Marketer, no, definitely. <laughs> with the marketer. Because I've seen a lot of your, um, with your name and different things, you you use the C in the Morley. Is that a marketing thing? Is there a reason behind why you have that in a lot of your stuff? So that's my name. So John C. Morley, John Charles Morley. Uh, I love to use my full name. I uh, some people have said, you know, when I've been on shows with them, they just say my first name and the last, which is okay. But I think the John C. Morley, I love my name. And as Dale Carnegie said, for those of you who don't know Dale Carnegie, there are two great things that you need to do if you want to win friends and influence people. There's a lot, but there are two. One is learn the person's name. And if you don't know their full name, ask them, you know, that's a beautiful name. How do I say it? Or how do I spell? And they'll be happy to do that for you because when you say someone's name and somebody says the full name, it makes that person feel good. The other thing is you want to strive to become genuinely interested in another person. Don't have an agenda. And so I use my full name because I'm proud of my full name. It's actually John C. Morley the fourth, but I don't use the fourth unless it's legal. John C. Morley is the full name. My dad was John C. Morley. Uh, my grandfather, great-grandfather. Uh, my dad's the third. My grandfather was the second. Great-grandfather was the first. So I'm proud of my name. And I like the C. When I was younger, uh, they gave me a nickname, John C. And um, I liked that too. It was great, but I like hearing my full name. I mean, it just kind of, it, it really just, um, it, it, it motivates me and it really, how can I say, resonates in a way that, you know, that's me. And it's not a marketing thing. It's just something that I choose to want to have. If you have a middle initial, use it. Because when you want to do something like a podcast or you want to be like, I'm a, I'm a media expert or a measurer of international press, use your full name because it's going to give you more credibility. It's going to be more formal. 
and plus when people are searching as well, because there's obviously more John yes. Morley's, but very few would have the John. That's C. that 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 is correct. Now, when I did my LinkedIn profile, uh, didn't think about that hundred years ago, um, but I did create John C. Morley Serial Entrepreneur Group, which when you find that, you obviously can find me. And I think it's actually very important. And like with the marketing side, because what I've learned is I always ask somebody, what's what's your full name? And like, I've got a friend and his name is Alexander. It annoys him so much if somebody calls him Alex. I've got friends that are called Christopher and they don't want to be called Chris. And I've got another friend. He doesn't like Christopher. He likes to be called Chris. And most people don't ask and they shorten it because they think that's normal. And they could be really annoying the person by doing that. That, that's exactly right. So when you learn somebody's name, um, you know, you ask them, hey, you know, I think it's this, but could you say your last name? And so, um, and I might say, hey, gee, um, I know your name is this. So what do you prefer to be called? Oh, I definitely prefer for Royal or or, or Ryan or, or, or Andy or Andrew. No, I only want to be called Andrew. My family calls me Andy. Okay, no problem. Or somebody will say to me, hey, John, what about Johnny? I'm like, well, I don't really like to be called Johnny. Family called, but I really don't like, I like John. And so- I think that's important that you say the name because I said to you, the most important thing that you can uh, do with a new person is to create a bond by saying their name properly. I mean, that says to me that you care. I do that with all my guests too. What do you prefer? I had one gentleman who's coming on and uh, in the chat when I was doing the preview, I had his last name. I said, oh, I just realized I called you by your last name. I apologize. Oh, no, that's okay. He's like in the military. He's like, we all call people by our last names. I said, well, in the show notes, what do you want me to put? You can put anything you want. Well, I like to put your first name and your last name. Yeah, that's fine. You can call me whatever you want on the show. Uh, okay. And I know they say that, but when they say that, they don't really mean that. They do that to be polite. I feel that you have the right to be called what you want to be called. So I know that you're like the first responder. You might explain exactly what's that and why you went into doing that. So first responding, I've been OEM first responder for a while, Office of Emergency Management. Um, I, um, many years ago, got uh, certified on radio. First, I started hanging out with OEM, Office of Emergency Management. And um, I started playing around with this radio. Now, being an engineer, radios intrigued me. And the radio drew me into the oh, the first responder because I just thought this is great because not a lot of people were doing radios. And I said, well, gee, I'd have my radio. I'd get in that. And uh, they gave me a radio, and I went and got my tech, which is where you start. You start with your tech several years ago. Then just a few years ago, I went back to get my uh, general, which is the next level. Now I'm studying to get my extra. And um, people don't know this, but you have to have a license to be able to communicate um, on, on a ham radio. So I'm a ham a ham operator. And so my code is KD2RJ. Uh, that's Kilo Delta 2 Oscar Romeo Juliet. And uh, typical communication might be, um, this is KD2ORJ to base. Uh, can I get a status update? Uh, I got a runner 2437 uh, who has just got down and I need some assistance pronto. Roger that. And so I'm actually one of the first string people for the New York Marathon. Um, that's coming up. I haven't done that in a few years. Uh, and that's an experience. Um, I get up early in the morning. I take mass transit because I don't want to drive. And uh, you have to be at your spot by like 7 
seven fifteen in the morning, seven thirty, that whole thing gets locked down. And if you don't have your badge, you're not getting even five feet close to that area. So I guess I love doing these things because I like to help people. And I feel that a lot of people, whether it's in medical, whether it's in business, they don't do it for the reasons uh, most people should, which is compassion and to be helping others. Like, well, you know, I'm doing you a favor. Oh, you know, John, thank you so much for your help. I'm like, I'm happy to help you. Oh, but that's real. You know, and people say, well, you know, uh, you're supposed to just do X or do Y or do Z. You could, but I think it's different when you go above and beyond. Um, you've been obviously in a medical situation before, visit a doctor. When they just treat you as a number, I come right up to them and say, hey, um, I understand that this is a, a, a paycheck for you, you know, my visit. It would be nice if you actually took a little time to treat me with compassion as opposed to just another number. Now, I know you're probably just going to blow this off because that's how your program, I can already see your modality. But maybe tonight when you go home tonight, your husband, your wife, whoever, maybe you'll think about how you treat your patients tomorrow. Maybe. I like to put things in people's heads that they're going to mill around later. I've heard that the doctors that are more compassionate are more successful. The ones that even say the name, they spend the time, yes. they actually care, yes. they kind of remember that they have kids or whatever, rather than, you know, the just chugging through next 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 okay open this yeah ah uh, this uh, like they, they don't care so uh a quick story on that is many years ago i went to have my first set of wisdom teeth taken out many years ago when i was uh i believe i was uh probably either just out of college or yeah i think it was just out of college and so i didn't just want to go to any uh, doctor most people want to research it but this was an oral surgeon now I had screened, went through about 50 to 100 names, okay? Out of 50 100 names, I immediately eliminated several. Then out of those names, I've, let's say, vetted it down to another 50. And I called those 50, and I narrowed them down to another five. How did I do that? Well, I asked questions. Well, we don't have time. I said, okay, well, I want to thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you for playing. Um, we'll be considering someone else, but I thank you for your time. Well, what do you mean? Now, this this was a pre-qualification call and, and you failed. But thank you. Have a great day. And they're like, they, they don't get it. What do you mean? You're, I mean it, yeah, it was an interview. It was a pre-interview to see if I could have another interview with you. And I'm not going to waste my time since I already know what your attitude is. So then I remember going to the doctor and then I went to three or four of these doctors. And I kind of wanted to see what they were like in person. Even though some of them were nice on the phone, I knew some of them were placating me. And I was right. And only one doctor out of those four doctors was the one I chose. And you got to feel comfortable with that person, right? Uh, for example, I'm like, well, you know, we just knock everybody out. I'm like, well, I don't want to be knocked out. Well, it's not really your choice. It's not really my choice. So let me ask, is it a medical reason? Well, we just, we just, we just rather, we just rather put you out. Why? Well, well, we don't have time to be talking to patients, you know, and we're busy. So you do this because you don't really want to put up with the patient and make sure they're comfortable. You'd rather them just be knocked out. Yeah, we run a shop here. We run assembly. I get it. Well, thank you so much. Um, uh, when do you want to schedule? Well, I don't. I said, I'm not looking to go to an assembly line. 
And that seems like that's what you're running here. Well, we're very successful. Well, God bless you. Um, but I'm not going to be on your assembly line. And they look at you like, well, you know, he's top rated. I said, I don't care if he's rated by the Pope. Like, I don't care. And so I think when we talk about setting standards, Roy, uh, that's one thing I like to do as being a podcast um, host and coach and serial entrepreneur is that we need to keep raising that bar for ourselves and for our guests every day. And that's how we both learn. Absolutely. Just on the wisdom teeth, I done it under local anesthetic and I got three out and I went back to work thinking it'd be grand. And I remember the pain. I had to go home and just bury my head under the pillow. Like it was painful afterwards. Did the research. Okay. And um, I, I got into so deep with this that I even learned how they do the cut. And so I even asked the gentleman, I said, so what type of cut do you do? He said, well, we do an eight cut. I said, you're, that's 100% right. He says, yes. I said, if you do another cut, I said, it'll actually affect more nerves and I could be in more pain. I said, will I be any pain? He says, no, you, John, you won't be any pain. You'll be in some discomfort. Didn't use the word pain. So, you know, they did all this and uh, everything through. And I remember the first time I did it, we went to a restaurant, a friend of mine, and we went somewhere because you didn't want to obviously chew or anything. And they gave me, you know, the, the painkillers. I took one, but then it was like seven or eight o'clock at night. And I was like, I forgot to take the second one. I was like, oh, I didn't take it. I said, well, like, I think the Nova came wore off by now. Like, I don't really even feel, it feels like a discomfort, you know, like you might have some tartar in your teeth, but it didn't feel in pain. I said, and this guy's amazing. He said, you won't feel pain. You'll feel discomfort. And so then that night, I remember going to the movie theater and I asked the uh, person at the, whatever it was, the uh, uh, snack stand there, can I have some ice? Oh, yeah, sure. It's $6 or $4. I said, what do you mean it's $4? Well, we charge for a cup of ice. I said, well, I just had surgery today and I was just wondering if I was, I get my manager because we just don't give out cups of ice. There was a reason they didn't do it, but I explained to him it was a medical reason. Like I wasn't just getting ice just to like chug ice. So uh, they gave it to me. The next day, the doctor called me. And um, the only thing that went a little bit awry was whatever they prescribed to me made me enraged where I wanted to just destroy everything in sight. So there was some kind of reaction. Uh, and that was it. But other than that, I was fine. And then the next time I did it, uh, same thing. They just didn't prescribe that same thing. But when you have somebody that knows what they're doing and they do an A cut, for those of you surgeons here, whether it's, a, uh, let's say, a, a oral surgeon or a dentist, if they do an A cut in your mouth, um, there's less likely a chance that you're going to be in more discomfort. I won't say pain. But my discomfort was just like a you couldn't open your mouth full. Um, he even asked me, well, what kind of stitches do you want? Well, I prefer the dissolve, the ones that dissolve. He said, yeah, we usually don't like to use this, but I'll use whatever you'd like. Then he said, well, you'll come back for like the post visit. The second time he's like, well, we don't do post visits. So um, uh, the lady told me and I said, well, I said, I've known the doctor for many years. I want to post up. She said, well, hold on a minute. She said, we just don't do them. I said, doctor, I said, uh, oh, that's John. I said, yeah, he said, yeah, I'll do a post. That's fine. I'll do one for him. No problem. Oh, because he doesn't do those normally. The doctor's office was so good that when I came back, I brought the whole office of tray of cookies. And I think, you know, this goes back to my caveat we've talked before, Roy, and that is nobody cares what you know. You're an engineer. We're podcasters, right? Nobody really cares. 
But what they care about is one thing. And that is how you made them feel. And if we can make people feel better than they already are, they're going to be gravitated toward our shows, toward our content. Because let's face it, there is content in this world. We turn on the TV, right? I hardly watch TV. And it talks about here. It talks about there. But we become what we think about most often, Earl Nightingale Conan. Okay? And so wherever, um, let's say, our, our, um, our thoughts um, are going, that's where the energy is going to flow. And so this is why... When somebody comes to you and they're negative, they keep just going down that negative spiral staircase. They don't see life as a bump in the road. They don't see that, okay, it happened. Great. You've been on a road trip before, and I'm sure you've been over a bump before. Are you still going to talk about the bump you had five years ago? No, it was a bump, right? Who went over it? I've heard you talk about a flight you were on that led to a speaking engagement. And you might yes. let us, you might tell us that story. Yeah, sure. So I was uh, on uh, a flight, actually coming back from my university. And uh, this was probably my senior year. I had not been a keynote speaker, you know, obviously yet, <laughs> but I love speaking. I've spoke around. And this engagement that I got um, wasn't a paid engagement at the time, but that didn't bother me. I'm always social and talking to people. And there was a gentleman next to me, and uh, he was from, um, it was Harvard. And he said to me, he says, John, he says, you know, we have a problem. I said, what's the problem here? I was called Mike. That was his name. I'll say Mike. I said, yeah, Mike. Uh, he says, uh, well, you know, we have a dinner coming up. Mm-hmm. This was whatever it was, 19 something. He's like, we have a dinner coming up in, you know, 19, because uh, I graduated uh, in 19, what was it? I graduated 1994. And uh, I was on a plane with him in 1994. He says, we have a speaking engagement coming up in like 1996. We need to find somebody for our dinner, our alumni dinner. I said, oh, I said, I said, what do you need them to talk on? He says, oh, he says, we need somebody about, you know, technology and this Y2K. I said, yeah, it's a mess, isn't it? I said, you know, our world's not going to end as we know it. But all the media and everybody's hyping everybody up so they can rip people off. He says, really? I said, yeah. I said, you know, little things that we do every day, like, you know, it might be getting medicine. It might be going to the ATM. It might be trying to check a balance. Things are going to be not the way we expect them. But the world is not going to end. Companies are going to spend millions of dollars on things. They're going to rip customers off. And you're going to see that when Y2K is over, it's be like, oh, that was it. The software couldn't track a few extra digits. That, that's it. The world didn't end. There's going to be some functionality that's going to be affected. Elevators may not work. Anything that relies on a clock with a date, it's going to be a problem. So, he was, so we're talking for a few minutes. Uh, we got our food brought to us. He goes, John, he says, um, you know, he said to me, he says, uh, he says, uh, this is what he said to me. He says, uh, he said, have you ever given that talk before? I said, what talk? He said, the talk you're just talking about. So now I had to think on my feet. I said, oh, yeah, I've given it lots of times. Never given it in my life. <laughs> and uh, he goes, what do you call it? What do I call it? What? what do you call the talk you gave? 
oh, uh, you mean the talk that I gave about the about the Y2K and the minor inconveniences? Yeah, yeah, what do you call, what's the topic? What, what, what's the title? And I'm just sitting there, I was like, that was a uh, uh, Minor inconveniences of Y2K. Really, that's brilliant. Thank you. He says, I'll tell you what. He says, I am on the Suchess Committee. I'm going to give you my card. I'm going to reach out to you. I would like to ask you if you would be one of our honorary speakers. Um, everybody I have, like, canceled. And I need a keynote. And I think you'd be a great keynote. Now, I can't pay you anything. But I can give you dinner, and I can let you meet some great people here from from, from what was from Harvard. And I said, well, that'd be great. And uh, later I spoke for Yale. <laughs> Um, but the point is, you know, we talk about fake it till you make it. You've got to do something Neville Goddard said. I think it's a brilliant thing. You've got to live the feeling of the wish fulfilled. What does that mean? So it doesn't mean go to the store and act like you have $10 million. It doesn't mean that. It means to feel what you'd feel as if you had that $10 million. Where would you go? How would you stand? Uh, a simple one for everyone is you've all gone to the bank before and you've all gotten a check, whether it's from a client or whether it's your work. Uh, now it's all ACH, but maybe you have some feeling when the money hits your account. What if you could feel like that every single day of your life? You'd be living that feeling. So all I did was when I was with this guy, I just kept feeling, I said, yes, you know, I said, I've already given the talk. This talk is amazing. They're going to applaud. I'm already just seeing it in my eye. I'm, I'm being like, oh, this is, this is the greatest thing. The food's good. I was like, you know, I didn't get paid, but this is an amazing experience. And I am so grateful to be given this opportunity. The night happened. And uh, I remember going back to a lady, I think it was a few years ago, and I reached out to her and she says to me, she, I said, uh, as you know, I said, I have a media um, company as one of my companies. I said, I don't know if you remember me. I said, I'm John C. Morley. And she's like, no. So maybe you don't remember my name. I said, you went to, uh, you were one of the alumni from Harvard. She says, yes. Um, what were you doing on such and such in 1998? So I have no idea. At 6 p.m., you were with your husband. You were wearing a red suit. He was wearing a blue, uh, blue and white striped suit. And you were sitting just the table to the right, right in front of me. She says, where was this? I said, at, at the Harvard uh, alumni dinner. And I was the keynote speaker for that evening. Minor and major inconveniences of Y2K. And she thought for a second, she says, oh my gosh, she says, that was you. I said, yes, that was me. And so people don't always remember your name, but they'll remember how you made them feel. And she's like, oh yeah. She's like, I remember you were talking. I remember how you told us that it's going to be no big deal. And I said, how was it? She says, John, it was a blip. You were like 100% right. So the media does hype things up. And this is why a lot of times I get upset with the media. Now, I literally this morning, I got um, uh, an email to renew my uh, press badge with International Press Association. Now, they actually check your work to make sure you're a 
you know, a, a, a dutiful journalist, a videographer. And uh, I have a commitment um, being with them that I will write content that is meaningful and purposeful. I will not write content that is going to sway slander or mislead people. I give people all the time, hey, John, would you write me a press release? We're the best. How are you the best? Well, my grandmother said we're the best. You're the best of what? Oh, we have the best popcorn. Or we have the best chicken. Well, who else says you're the best? Well, no one, but my grandmother and and and, and my aunt say we're the best. Well, uh, I, I I understand that, and I can't publish that. I can try some of your chicken, and if it's tasty, I could put it's tasty, but I can't put you're the best. Well, how much can we pay you? I said, well. well <laughs> I said, I don't know if you saw this badge, but I have a press badge. I said, and I can't be bribed. Oh, okay. So you don't have a price. I have a price to write your press release, but that's what it costs. You're not going to pay me extra to put things in there. I charge more money if it's more words, but I don't charge to persuade someone. Oh, so so you can't be bought. No. So I take this very seriously in my video, in my podcasts, in my writings. I wrote an article, How and Why to Fire a Multi-Million Dollar Advertising Company. And people read that. And I had this picture of a kid looking at his iPhone. How and why I fired a multi-million dollar advertising company. And he's like. So I think a lot of companies that get a brand feel it's okay to rip people off. And I'm here to tell you that that's not okay. And so they might get up ahead of you now, but eventually somebody else is going to come along and say, wait a minute, why are you doing that? Or like, what are you doing? And when this company I had couldn't even print in-house, they sent it out to another state and print it without errors. I said, I'm dealing with the wrong company. So you could do anything you want in life if you're passionate about it and you want to learn the skills. But I feel that being ethical, having an integrity in the content you write. This is why when I write articles, uh, I really make sure that they are written on purpose. I write a motivation article every week and I write a tech article every week. My last one was being nice versus getting taken advantage of. And my tech article recently was the evolution of NC, CNC, and DNC machines, numerical controls, uh, computer numerical controls, and direct numerical controls. Numerical controls basically was the uh, pioneering of uh, people taking uh, motors, servo motors, and putting them on machines that would normally have to be adjusted by humans and making those micro adjustments. And then CNC uh, took that from being punch cards and tapes and two into a computer. DNC took it to a whole network. Uh, and then pretty soon we're putting AI to that. But the thing is, whenever you create something, you have to speak the truth about it. If you're going to put in fluff or you're going to put in, well, this, you're going to put slander in. Um, you know, I think you can damage your reputation as some of the media. And I value not only my reputation, but the reputation I have with other people that read my media, because I consider writing, whether it's video, whether it's content, whether it's social media, 
I believe that my media is there to teach people a lesson. This is why I can post seven, eight, nine times a day and I never get banned. Now, I'm not telling you that to brag. I'm telling you that to illustrate a point that if you put out quality content and I post every couple hours, they never get banned. They are meaningful pieces of content that could change people's lives. Quick story. Uh, there were two places that I got banned. And the one place, because I said, this is crazy. In my town, there was a Facebook board and I got banned. And I was like, John, you're only allowed to post business stuff on Wednesdays. I said, yeah, but this isn't business related. It, it's self-improvement. There's a little logo on the bottom, but this is all self-improvement. I don't sell one thing. I don't ask for money. So uh, a few weeks went by uh, after I got banned. And I see this other guy posting as the doctor. He's posting every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And he's selling his services. You know, Botox, this, da, 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 $12.99, minus this for this, uh, tug. I said, well, this is selling. So I write back to one of the uh, admins. Uh, they said, John, we didn't ban you. It wasn't me. I wrote the other admin. It wasn't me. It was, it was the other lady. I said, so I write her. She ignores me. And the other two said, oh, your content's amazing. We would never ban you. But the other person, you know, she's funny. So I decided to, I was banned from posting new stuff, but I could still comment in the group. So I commented on one of the posts. I said, why is it? That people like this that own, I don't know, 25 luxury cars uh, and their doctors can post whenever they want. And I posted on her whole thing about the rules of the group. And I said, why is that allowed? And somebody like me that owns one or two cars like that and is not a doctor, just an engineer that creates content to change people's lives that isn't selling, isn't allowed. Would someone share with me like what I don't understand? Because I'm confused. Within Four hours, my post was removed, and my status for um, posting was reinstated without ever an explanation. Tell me that's not crazy. Yeah. One other place I got banned was LinkedIn. Now, it wasn't LinkedIn. It was one of the groups. So it was a financial group, and I think they had like I don't know, 16 million people in it. And I was posting content, just same type of thing. And uh, I got banned. And so I reached out to some members that were in the group and another group. I said, what happened? Oh, John, uh, the guy who runs that group, you know, he's a kid. I said, what do you mean he's a kid? Well, he's not a kid. He's a, he's a financial, you know, broker and all, but he's a kid. If you're, if you're going to play with sand, you got to play in his sandbox. And uh, if you don't play with his sand, then you can't use it. Your content was amazing, but he just felt you were a threat to him. So he just removed you. I was like, yeah, he's like, I actually like your content. I was like, where do I find it? I said, well, it's in every other group except for this group. Yeah, he's like, he's a jerk. Okay. So I think people ban you because they feel that you're a threat to them. But I look at it that other people are not a threat, but they compliment my life. I've I've got banned from a lot of things. Like I know you used a link tree for all your things. I got kicked off with three link trees. With the LinkedIn, it was a weak ban and I kind of had to grovel because I have so many contacts in that. I got my Awakening podcast on YouTube removed. But what I done is I done a screenshot and just started posting it everywhere and jumped from the top 1% to the top half percent. I kind of used it for my advantage. 
And like, I've got. So, yeah, I think a couple of things have to happen. One is if you're coming out of the gate, and this is why I worked, because uh, I wanted to get an accreditation. And when I got that accreditation, um, it didn't put money in my pocket, but I knew that if I got accredited by a national agency, I would be sought as being respected. Even though I knew my content was good, when I had a national authority you know, saying that I was affiliated with them, people started to realize that my content is good, that it, that it, that it actually has like a seal of approval from somebody. And uh, what happens when you post like a lot of these boards – some of these people, they they get very uh, they get jealous, and they feel that that you know you're gonna beat them or you're gonna like one up them. And I think in our world, I think if we realize that we're here to collaborate with each other, there's plenty of abundance. There's plenty of um, reasons uh, that we can help. I, I say to people uh, in their lives, you know, whether they get married or have a friend, that person does not complete their life if it does don't get married don't get that friend they enhance your life you see you're already complete right now as who you are you're already happy and if you're not well then that's a whole other discussion but you need to learn how to create your own successful blueprint in life if you don't do that then you're going to always be unhappy because you're relating and waiting for someone else to make me happy i make myself happy and with the radio then because like you're doing live shows mm -hmm. and i mean we kind of talked on getting banned and stuff like that yes 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 how do you navigate that because we're living in crazy times that you know there's fact checkers there's all this stuff that to be honest with you so so there's a couple things so first thing, stuff that has been debunked when i put yes yeah, so so when i have guests in the u.s um because i also do media and other stuff I have everybody sign a media release. Um, first, it gives me permission to use their content, but also it's on file. And I let people sign a permanent media release or they can just sign one for that show. It doesn't matter. And so when you go on air with me, well, my release is the same release. I state that if you come on a live show with me, regardless of where it is, and whether there's a delay or no delay, if you use any profanity, it's a $10,000 fine her word and you are personally liable for the language that comes out of your mouth while on the show even though we do the best to edit it you still will be fined those charges and i've lost some guests because they're like oh i can't put up with that below i said i said you're already using those words yeah he said i can't be like i said okay i said well you can't come on the show and so how do you deal with that i think you have to screen your guests number one um, obviously I know my content and I don't mind talking about something, but the other day I was made to make a post and, um, without giving the word. Now the word was not a curse word, but it was something that might've been slang. So that might catch somebody off guard, but it wasn't really bad, but I looked it up and I checked it. Cause you always want to see how it affects. I looked on Facebook for the boards and they said, if you use that word, even though it's not a, a bad word, it'll ban you because in other countries, the word has a deeper meaning. Here, it's just like a light slang, which is something okay. Over there, it's a big, big problem. And because these platforms are international, we have to be socially responsible. 
So I think when you create content uh, with a live show, you have to realize that uh, things can happen. And sometimes you might get somebody on there. Like I've had a guest. Uh, it's very rare. I have a guest that uh, you try to vet this out in the pre-interview, but sometimes, you know, they get a little bit uh, upset or something. And I was like, okay, so I understand um, that this is probably not the area you want to go into. Um, what we could do is we can continue on this path or change the path, or we can go ahead and, and uh, thank you for being on the show. What would you guys like to do? And this is live on the show. And like, well, well, so you're going to ask it. I said, yes, I said, you know, you guys know this is a live show. Sometimes this happens. I apologize. But, you know, I don't control our guests. And sometimes there's miscommunication, my issue, their issue. So I'm giving our guests the option right now if they'd like to continue with us, if they'd like to take another topic, or if we want to just politely say uh, goodbye today. And the person was like, so dumb fell back. Well, oh, I guess we could talk about something else. So I think people get uncomfortable. And if you go down a pathway, that's why I would say, hey, gee, is there anything I don't, I shouldn't be talking about on the air? Oh, well, don't talk about my kids. Okay, no problem. Like, what do you not want me to talk about? What do you want me to talk about? And somebody's like, oh, I don't care. You can talk about anything, but do me a favor. Just don't talk about the fact that we're in the process of doing this patent. Okay. So that's basically what I do. I respect people's boundaries. And so I think that's the big thing when you get on air, like a live show. And you have to get guests that have been on other shows that know that. But if they've never been on a show before, then I go through a little more schooling with them. Like if I know they've never been on a podcast before, I'm like, okay, so um, have you ever been on a radio show before? Um, no. Okay, so do you know how interviewing works? No. Okay, well, what we're probably going to want to do before we have you on the show, if we think you're a good fit, we're probably going to want to do a mock show with you. Well, what's that? Well, we want to make sure everything's good. So we might just do a mock show, no taping, but just a mock show to see how it goes. And then we could do a recording after that. So I think you just have to be, like I said, um, aware of your audience. And uh, even YouTube, you know, you had to watch. I had a lady, um, I was commenting on a video for somebody that did these huge domino. Uh, you, you push one of the whole dominoes go down. Like one that was like a whole gymnasium and it had like, maybe 400 kids working on it. And I took the video and I commented back. I said, you know, in life, sometimes when we do something, it's like a domino effect. Like these kids here, you know, they, they pressed this domino and it went down. And this is pretty amazing, right? The fact that they could push that domino. And I think it's remarkable how this team got this award, this team got that award. And look how fast they were able to reset that up. Real short thing while I'm getting the screen. Lady comes back and... I get a ban request from YouTube. And I said, uh, so I said, what the heck's this for? I used their video and I was explaining what's going on. So um, she claimed that she didn't get monetized when we used the video. I said, I didn't make any money off of this. I'm just using it as an example. I said, I'm using uh, an illustration. I said, this is done many times in journalism. And so within... I don't know, 24 hours, uh, the complaint had been released by YouTube. But the lady was so inanimate because she wanted money back because she was the only person that took a whole video of the, of, the, uh, of the gym. People are nuts. But, you know, when people use that content, now it's one thing if you use that content and you try to sell something, but if you're using that content, you're saying, hey, look, 
you know, and we click about dominoes and we kind of relate to something, you're using it as an example. So you have to be careful how you use the content. I try not to do that a lot, but once in a while I will use a video mic and, I, and I'm on the screen the same time saying, look, if we look at this domino, look at the line I'm drawing here, I'm using it as an illustration and I'm adding value to it. I'm not just taking the video and saying, hey, this is my video. I'm on the screen commenting about it. And I think a lot of people, they just, I don't know, they believe they're more important than everybody. And then they want to sue or they want to do something. And so half the time, uh, I know all of our content that we put up, whether it's video, the music, everything is licensed. So I get some jokers that want to take our content sometimes and push it somewhere else. Now, um, the uh, firm we use, they have a watchdog, so they watch. So if we see our content somewhere else and we haven't approved it, it automatically sends a request to appeal the content. So I think you just have to realize that if you're a content creator, you've got to make sure you have license to what you're creating, whether it's music, whether it's video, because a lot of people just think that, you know, because we're behind a camera that, you know, we could do whatever we want. We can't. We have to understand that we're creating content, but we still have to respect people's boundaries. I got a music copyright offense when I recorded my son at a school play when he was four. And I was like... <laughs> Well, it's okay recording the song. That's fine. It's what you did with that. So if you recorded that and you took it for your own use, okay? You didn't publish it anywhere. Didn't share it with anybody. You're fine. But the minute you took that video and you upload it to YouTube or you put it on social media, now you got an issue. In fact, my opening, um, even though it's all licensed, in certain parts of the world, it gets blocked because there's no license in that country. It, it gets wacky. So the way they handle it is they just, and then, you know, TikTok has their own rules. If you use their video, you're fine. But if you use that video that you create on TikTok on something else, that music is not licensed on the other platform because it was created on the TikTok platform. Definitely. So with the, like being the radio host and like doing the live shows, because you kind of have to navigate your life to be around that. Like what's the pros and cons to that? Because that's kind of difficult. Like when you can, you know, like if somebody says, Hey, let's go away for two weeks or whatever, your life is kind of, no, I have got a live show. So I don't have Friday. to be in the studio all the time. Right. So I can be my home studio. I can be in the office studio. Uh, when I travel, I have a portable mic, uh, laptop and a good camera. So I just need a quiet room and some lighting. Um, and recently we just invested in some new travel lights uh, so that my face looks good. Everything looks good on camera. And I've even invested in a little on air light. Sometimes when you're traveling and you have family, they don't know you're on air. I always tell people, like, I'm on air. You cannot come out. You cannot come in this area. But I have this little on air light and I just hit the button. And when it says on air, you don't even think about coming near that part of the house. Because it says on air. So these are things you can do. Because one thing, if you're starting as a podcaster, anybody always starts, right? They all have to start somewhere. I started on blog talk. You have to you have to just start somewhere. Don't worry about getting perfect overnight. Don't worry about getting the lighting perfect overnight. Don't worry about getting an intro right overnight. Don't worry about any of that. Just create some consistent content with good titles 
that are going to arouse curiosity in other people. That's it. That's where you start. And when you've done that, you can build upon that. Find out what episodes are trending. Like I did a whole episode on Jaymore Tech. I invited ChatGPT on my show. I was so grateful that Chat was able to, to fit into my schedule. And uh, I asked Chat, uh, I said, hey, Chat, so I just got an extra million dollars. I was wondering, where should I put it to get the best ROI on my investment? And Chat's like, um, well, you know, I could give you a suggestion. I don't know whether you're going to make money or lose money. Uh, what's your zip code? By the way, do you have a financial advisor? I'd be happy to find you one. So I think we have to understand that content needs to be used, but we have to put our own spin on it. I can't go and say, hey, these people talked about chat and it's horrible. Well, that's great. I could say it's horrible, but I need to add my own spin on it. I need to add my professional expertise or my comments on that. If I'm not, I'm technically plagiarizing, right? So somebody says, hey, you know, uh, whether it's a war, whether it's chat, and I said, well, gee, what's going on with AI? Well, I hear recently in the news, there are issues about, you know, creating uh, content from ChatGPT with graphics that could be stealing off of companies like mine. Although I've heard that's in the news, I think it's a big problem because I think we need to revamp our legal system because we don't have rules in place to manage uh, what we have there. So I think you have to be purposeful. You have to figure out what your podcast is going to be about, if it's a podcast, if it's an article. Why are you creating it? Oh, I'm doing it to, to make money. Well, don't start a podcast to make money. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to tell you you won't make money, but I'm here to tell you that you got to have a bigger purpose in life, which is similar to what I have, which is to become a better version of myself and help others become better versions of themselves. Those are two reasons I live. And if you are not passionate about creating content to help other people and inspire them, don't create a podcast because you're going to get disappointed with the results, you're not going to get money overnight and you're going to get tired with what's going on. And you're like, oh, it's not working. So what I like to tell people, just like I do in business, is I don't work. I creatively play. But like I said to you, can it be challenging sometimes? Sure. Um, even when I'm a guest on shows, I've got shows that I'm booked on December 20th. I'm booked on while I'm traveling. And that's like when that show can get me. Um, yeah, I think... It's about having that work-life balance. But for me, I don't consider podcasting work. I don't consider being on other people's shows work. I love it. I think it's a lot of fun. And um, then I love, like I said, you know, posting back about the comments. You know, this was a great show and then taking the link. And so I think it's about that. Uh, you're always going to get haters out there. And I always say to people, you know, if you get haters out there, that's great. Um, because let them keep hating you until they become the ones that ask you for a job. You have to bring your A game. If you don't, someone else will. So don't be afraid to bring your A game and don't be unhappy if some people don't like you. I always say, you're going to like me, love me. That's all right. I'll move on. And like you mentioned about a lot of people getting into the podcasting because they think they're going to make money. Like there's, a, I mean, you'll see different statistics, but it's something like 3.3 million in our podcasters. So many do maybe three episodes, max 10, 
and they're gone and they never do it. And it's like when you have a mission, I love it. I'm like yourself. I've been on even last week, I think about four or five shows and I just love it. I okay. get so much passion and you learn so much from the people. What, that, what that's, are... that's why that's that that's why we do it. So uh, to give an example, IFYL, okay, which is a daily show. That's not an easy thing to do, but it's their short shows. We are just hitting uh, today. We'll be publishing our 772nd episode. Excellent. That's a lot. That's a lot of shows. Uh, Jay Moore Tech Talk has been around for going to be around three years. It's only published about five or six, but that's only on the audio side because we rebranded and started a whole new pod channel. The YouTube stuff is still there, but now we built a whole new YouTube channel that's just for the show. And I tell people to do this. If you're creating a show, don't put your podcast on your main company YouTube page. Create a separate channel. And then YouTube at that channel will get you right to like ours, youtube.com at the J Moore Tech Talk uh, show.com at T H E J M O R Tech Talk Show.com. And you've got to realize that it's not enough to just create a podcast. Um, you could join other networks, find other guests, um, try to get on other shows, but People think that, well, it's about hiring a company. And yeah, you can do that. But if you're not going to be a person that wants to deliver, like, oh, you know, I was on six podcasts. What am I going to build them? Well, you don't build them. Um, you get your reward by your audience that likes your content and then your sponsors that want to become part of your network because you're delivering a value. We're really, uh, Roy, we're influencers in the world. Uh, and I always say influences in a way that are going to make a difference. So I get a lot of people sometimes saying, hey, John, what if this company comes and says, hey, I want to uh, it advertise this product? I said, well, that's great, but I will never advertise a product until I believe in the product. That's important to me. It's not about getting money, uh, even with these VPN services. So I picked one. I try it out. And after I try it out, I said, that's the one I'm going to go with. I went with the company and said, hey, I'm ready to do this. And they said, well, gee, you don't have high enough numbers. But I won't just go willy-nilly to all these other companies because all these companies, uh, they use a system that links into like your stats. So they must just have real high numbers. I'm guessing they want numbers that are like, you know, they want like five, 10,000 downloads a show. I think that's what they're looking for. Thousands nice, but I think that doesn't even get them interested or excited. I think they want the high numbers. I think that's what they want. And uh, it, it, it's a challenge. I will tell most people that create a podcast, you have to be authentic in what you do. I know a lot of people that create them. I know people that create them because they believe that it's going to make them a lot of money. And then it doesn't, you know what happens? They go away after six months or a month or a week. Oh, I tried. I think, well, how many did you do? Oh, I did eight. Eight years? No, I did eight episodes. How often is your podcast? Oh, it's daily. Well, maybe do a weekly. And so I think a lot of people think that, you know, it's okay to change the frequency. So my one show is daily. So it always gets a show. Even if it's 15, 20 minutes, it always gets a show. The tech talk is weak. If you can't commit to doing a daily show, don't commit to doing a daily show. You cannot change your format once you start it. If you start with daily, you can say you can move to a bi-weekly, but you can't go from weekly back to daily. You can't do that. You can always say, hey, now we're going to be a daily show, but you can't go the other way. 
because now you've started to um, lose your reputation because now it's about content and you're saying, well, John, I don't have enough content. So what I also think I do too, Roy, is that I come up with what we call uh, speaking notes. Now, they're not notes that I speak from, but they're points. So I have an agenda. The agenda is put together so I know what we're covering. So like for IFL, for example, last night, we talked about three different things that are needed to um, give you self-love. One of them was you have the right, uh, not just a privilege, to take a good trip, to do something nice for yourself. So I hit on those three points. With Jay Moore Tech, I typically have seven, eight points, and I hit on them. And I might go to a website to pull up certain facts like, you know, in 1862 or 19 this happened or uh, just yesterday, this was voted on in Congress. And I don't know about you, but I think somebody's paying them off. Like I'll, I'll interject my 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 things. And then I always tell people if I'm on like some network, like I had an issue with um, um I think it was actually Amazon the other day. And I ordered a book um, and this book I ordered a month ago. A friend of mine, so I bought his book. I didn't make him pay. You should ask him to send me a book, but he was a friend of mine, so I said, I'll just buy the book. I paid the $12.95 a month ago, Roy. I didn't get the book. So I went online to click. It says, oh, you're past your, your date of return. It was the day before. So I call him up. I said, well, can I get another book? Oh, I'm so sorry on that one, sir. Um, there's not much we can do. We can't, we can't issue you another book. Well, what do you mean? Well, I'm so sorry. I don't have that option. So what I do is when I have a challenge, I had a challenge with Verizon as well. And I talked about how, you know, I had a challenge ordering an iPhone. I got up on the 20, what it was a 20, the iPhone came out on the, uh, I believe it was the 20, what was it? The 29th, I think the 22nd, I got up early, just like, and I got ready to order it. And it took me 22 minutes to order it because their site was having problems. I blasted them about their site. I'm like, if you know a phone's releasing, why don't you have a site that, that works for crying out loud? Like, why don't you test these things? But the companies don't care. And then I also talked about the fact how I went through a chat for 10 minutes and how the system put my address in wrong. And they said there was no way for them to change the address. It's, it's impossible to change. And if I cancel the order, not only would I not get the phone, I have to reorder, but I wouldn't get the phone for another month because I'm now out of the queue. So whenever I have a problem, like last night, I said to the lady, I said, definitely going to talk about you on my show. She says, well, why? I said, well, because I think Amazon sometimes doesn't run a very efficient ship. We all know that you guys don't like to take phone calls. Do you know I had to call you 12 times tonight? Uh, you guys kept disconnecting me. So I think people get impressed when there's large numbers, when they're publicly traded. But I have to tell you, it's these big companies that are very good at marketing in a way that markets a facade. I take passion in the marketing advertising I do that it creates a truth. It creates a, a reality. Uh, so many companies out there, you give them whatever they want, and they'll make you believe something. I won't market something that is not face value, that is not what that is. Because I think I'm doing myself a disservice. I'm letting down the media association and I'm also letting down the, the population. I was with a media person, I think it was about a month or two ago at a town meeting. 
And I went up to the lady and I said to her, I said, you know, I said, oh, yeah, I said, yeah, you're the lady. I said, doesn't like me. Said, what do you mean? I said, well, I call you all the time. You never take my stories. Oh, John, we're really busy. I said, I know you want crap. Like you want just propaganda. See, I'm a real journalist and I publish. I know you call yourself a journalist too, but I actually only write content that doesn't just sell stuff. I write content that is about the truth. She says, John, that's not what sells. I said, yes. And that's why I'm a true journalist. She says, well, I've been a journalist for 50 years. Well, God bless you. But you're doing you and your industry a disservice by acting in a manner that's being dictated by your company. You should quit and become your own journalist. Love it. Love it. Listen, John, thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. Just before we finish, because... I, sure. Like I was looking at your YouTube videos and I mean, I've get I've got hundreds of different guests on. I love the way you have created the introduction to your videos. It's very professional. You might just kind of talk us through that. Cause I know it's a service that you, you kind of have. Yeah. Yeah. We, so, so we, so we do that. Uh, been a video producer for a long time. In fact, I learned my video skills on Corel video producer. That's probably take me a while back. And this is the time when you had to pay them not a support fee for the year you paid per incident. So it was like ridiculous. If you wanted support in the United States via phone, it was $99 per incident. They would help you by phone only. If you wanted support in the U.S. by phone and a remote assistance, it was $150 per incident. Or you could buy a pack of four for 20% off. And so – um. I remember this happening. We we're trying to green screen something, chroma key, and it wasn't working. Oh, don't worry, sir. You get unlimited calls as long as it's related to this incident. The minute we close this incident, it's not about chroma keying. It's another 150 again. So then, you know, Adobe is very big in the industry, right? So Adobe um, is the one everyone uses. Well, we use it for graphic design, but I don't use them for video. I don't like them for video. I use DaVinci Resolve, professional and, and, and regular. Um, DaVinci is the only system that actually does color paletting. Adobe doesn't. Uh, Adobe has its own fusion language for doing effects. But uh, which video were you talking about? So which one were you talking about? And I could talk specifically about it, but which which one did you like specifically? It was one of your channels, and it was just kind of okay. like the start through the introduction. I think they were more Yeah, so we have, we have John, we have a, um, a called a montage, okay? We have like, a, we did the Science Fridays with John, and we have me doing all the little science experiments. And then, and then I basically, as soon as that little thing plays through, it kind of takes some of my best episodes and puts them into like that trailer, if you will, in the beginning. And so when we come on, first thing I do in the science, I say like, um, today on Science Fridays with John, we're going to talk about how lighting a candle and taking a glass of water will create some astounding effects. Stay tuned. I'll see you in the lab. And then we did it. And then we come back to it. Hey, everyone. I am John, the science guy. See you with my lab coat. And so we're in the lab and we're going to play with a candle, uh, some water and some food coloring, and we're going to see what happens when we put this on a plate and we take this cup and put it on. What do you think is going to happen? Is the candle going to go out? Well, let's see. And then we do it and we show. So when you create video content, you've got to remember it's got to be engaging. You've got to have good music. Um, you've, you've only got a few seconds, right, to captivate people. And that's what that intro does. Um, 
I think a lot of people, when they do these things, they make them too long or they make it too much about themselves or they make it too much about the industry. It's got to be fun. It's got to be playful. It makes you want to watch. We have the thing where I take the gigantic and make gigantic bubbles. We took some of our best experiments and put that in the preview trailer. And I think, you know, this is why I say one of my biggest things uh, that I do is, uh, is, is pretty amazing. And I, I basically help people. I help people create stories. And so, you know, people say to me, John, what do you mean by that? Well, it, it's really simple. I'll, I'll actually show you what I do. So I, uh, I'm a podcast coach and a specialist in helping businesses tell a story that leads to them growing, being more scalable, and of course, more profitable. And I think that's the name of the game is I don't create facade stories. I create true inspiration from what you've already done. And I'll either come up with a story or I'll tell your story. And by me telling that story to the world, whether it's in video, whether it's in press releases, whether it's in um, any other form, social media, I will get your audience curious about your products and services without ever asking them to buy your products or services. That's pretty amazing, right? And that's why my content doesn't get banned. Uh, just today, we made a post. Um, Orville Media is my media company. And we made a post asking people what is kerning, right? So kerning is the space in between letters. So every day now we have a, a like a, a, a word in graphics saying, hey, did you know what this is? Uh, in the tech industry, we showed that when you do a, a control alt O, uh, a control alt O uh, will actually um, it can open up your um, your your keyboard. So I think um, yeah, I, I think these are you know interesting things, um, but you know I, I think a lot of people you know don't don't quite. It's, it's actually I'm sorry, control Windows O. Excuse me, control Windows O. So so control key Windows key and O will pop up an on-screen keyboard. So I give people shortcuts. And I think these are things that a lot of people want, but I put them in nuggets, uh, Roy, because I realize people don't want to read a book. They just want to learn one. That's why I keep IFYL so short with, with only 15, 20 minutes. Uh, but my dailies that I have now, I have uh, daily 40-second videos. This whole week was attributed to CNC programming and everything from how MIT made the first CNC machine all the way up to how AI is going to make a huge difference in the industry. And you'll say to me, John, what's going to happen to people that have jobs in CNC? Nothing, because AI is not going to replace these people because they're never going to be able to write perfect programs for a CNC machine. So um, whether you guys need podcast coaching, whether you need uh, somebody to get the word out about your business, or you need us to create a 3D model. So we print on paper, plastic, metal, glass, wood. And this year, we started doing 3D modeling in-house. Just last week, we spent a few hours creating a model train that we're going to give out at a science demonstration to all the kids. Each train takes us 15 minutes to print. Right? So I think we're definitely doing things that are different. And in this world, Roy, you've got to be different because if you're not, someone else will be. And um, they're going to be the ones that are going to captivate your audience. So you have a choice. Do you want to be different? Do you want to grow? And do you want to attract people from curiosity? Or 
do you want to try to beat them over the head and get them to buy? Now, you might get successful with some people, but the problem is when you do that, the people that are successful are going to be very hard on you. And the minute you make one little, little glip, okay, you're off stage for life. If you take the first method and something goes wrong, hey, you know, we're not perfect. Listen, uh, we'll rerun this for you or we'll do this for you. Is that going to be, yeah, that's fine. Because you built integrity and you built trust from the ground, they're not going to hold you to everything. They're not going to be a price conscious buyer. If you're coming to me for price, we're not doing business. We're doing business because you like us, because you like my content. That's why I get people. They love the content I create and I'm passionate about it. So if you want to attract those kind of people and businesses in your life, visit BelieveMeAchieve.com and we'll help get people inspired to start learning about your story, asking questions, and you learning about their problems and then potentially doing business with them. Thank you very much, John. Appreciate you all this what, that you've shared in the show. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure, Roy. So that's all for the Speaking Podcast. You'll find all our episodes on speakingpodcast.com. Until next week, take care. So I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. You'll find everything about me on bio.link forward slash podcaster with all my podcasts. And you'll find it, you see in the QR code in the graphic that's shown. I'd like again to thank my sponsors. So if you or someone you know struggling with anxiety, I want to know how to be 100% anxiety-free six weeks without therapy or drugs. Daniel Packard's Anxiety Solution Program company offers a six-week system that permanently solves anxiety at an astounding 90% success rate. People who join the program only pay at the end once they have clear, measurable results. If you're interested in learning more, go to permanentanxietysolutions.com where you can book a free consultation with Daniel. Do you fight blood pressure? and or want to get off the meds. Doctors are amazed at what Zona Plus can do. You can get a $50 discount with my code Roy, zona.com slash discount slash Roy. And you'll see it in the QR code as well as Daniel's QR code. Quality manufacturer of metal products for telecommunication and workshop equipment and other metal materials. you see the brochure there in the QR code. And let me know if you would like a quotation shipped internationally at very competitive price. I'd like to thank all my sponsors and also all my listeners. Be sure to give me a thumbs up, five-star rating, share with your friends. really helps. And I also have a video on how to give a five-star rating because a lot of people have wrote to me asking me that they don't know how to do that. Until next week, take care.